Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schippel. And that is Steve Jones. And Jens, today on the program, we have an artist named Davey Fury. Uh, and I talked to him from Ireland. Uh, yeah, we had, a, we had a good chat. Good, good. Davey across the pond, eh? Exactly. Uh, and, uh, and we talked a little bit about, um, you know, mentioned Flogging Molly, I'll say. Uh, because okay. you know, when, when you're in Ireland, I, I'm not going to spoil. I'm not going to spoil it. But um, but we had, let me just we go through the whole interview right now. I would just I would just recap the whole interview. Uh, okay, we're not going to go there. Uh, One big massive spoiler. Yes, but um, I will catch you up on on uh, on a happening that's happened since it's been a couple of weeks since you've been on the pod. So. Um, it has. Yeah, I've been doing my thing here and there. So it's good to be back. And um, what shall we discuss among all the things that we have uh, experienced since we were together last on the show? So first off, I have a confession slash proclamation to uh, kind of to kind of put out there first. Okay, so it's um, a good oh, way to start. <laughs> that's a good way to start, right? So Steve, uh, confess. You, confess. So you know that a lot has been going on in my life personally. I'll just hit that really briefly. Uh, broke up with my uh, girlfriend. She moved out. Um, so it was, we had one week from when the decision was made till you know till the move out date, and um, and so you know there was this awkward point. I mean, she, we lived together, and I just wanted to have whatever separation I could. Uh, I at that point was um, you know I had some congestion in my nose and uh, a little bit of a cough, right, and. Um, historically, uh, you know, I don't know. I have this thing where I don't like to admit when I'm sick because I'd like to be, be like I'm Iron Man, like I'm immortal, uh, something along those lines. So, so sometimes I pass it off as allergies. And uh, and it could, could sometimes it could go either way, whether it's allergies or sickness, but I don't let it stop me. You know, exercise, I never stop filling my rings even when I'm sick. This is, was that case as well. But um you know, so one night after we broke up, I slept on the couch, and then I was just like, um, you know, I decided to, um, you know, Joe, our, our buddy Joe and I talked, and he uh, said I could stay at his place for a night. Um, I, you know, I was sick when I stayed at his place, uh, and uh, oh, you know, okay. my mild symptoms, but they were there. I shouldn't have have done it, right? Um, so Did you infect the entire uh, family over there with your tuberculosis or whatever uh, you have? Well, uh, you know, I'll tell you, you know, we talked about it and like, I, okay, uh, first off, I decided to get a COVID test, make sure it wasn't COVID, you know, so I could say, okay, it's not, it's not COVID. So I got an instant and in the, in the day, and a, day and a half COVID test. Jaeger, shut up. <laughs> and, uh, um, and not COVID, right? So, I, so we could say Good. it's not COVID. And then right. um, his son got sick. Uh, so, yeah, so I had to stay out of uh, summer school, summer same camp. Same symptoms? Or, um, similar enough, but uh -huh. not exactly the same. So, you know, could go be 50-50. It could, could have come from me or it could have come, you know, from a kid at summer camp uh, as well, potentially. But I think they wear masks. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the current protocol is there per se, but so we couldn't mm -hmm. 100% say it was me, right? But 
but right. I, I owned it. I was like, okay, yeah, not going to happen again. I'm turning a leaf. I'm going to, you know, <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to go around your, your family when I'm, when I'm sick and, right. um, um, or even have any symptoms that could be sickness we'll, we'll just, I'll just separate it. Right. I, I'd already owned it. And then, so his son gets sick and then they have to juggle. He has to stay, you know, work from home, partially work from home, you know, just kind of make that work. And then, you know, this past weekend, he got a Joe got a little bit sick, you know. So it's just it's keeping on. I'm but the proclamation is here and now that um, if I'm sick, I'm not going to go around other people. I'm just going to keep it to myself and and uh, uh, <laughs> and not not put that on anyone else. Okay. Is this your way of telling me that you are infectious, and this is the last time you're going to like hang out with your friends before you have to quarantine yourself for the rest of the year? Yeah, for the, it's this is gonna last for the rest of the year. So, uh, just so you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take this quarantine back up, and I'm just gonna stick myself uh, home, not see anybody for the rest of the year, just to be on the safe side, right? So, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you know what? I was expecting as I was listening to you share your story, I was expecting this to be you're gonna come out with some new variant of leprosy, and there's this resurgence, and people are losing limbs. I'm Luckily, we are that. not there. Yeah, yeah, we're we're glad yeah. about that. So this is this is a lot better. <laughs> but just saying, I don't feel good about it, and uh, I need to get this off my chest a little bit. So you know, um, Joe won't listen to this, but you know, the, the apologies there. I feel shitty about it, and I want to put it out there. Okay, we can we can move on from that. We had a good time yesterday uh, because we did last minute. Um, uh, you said, "Oh, I need to go watch the Euro Cup." My dad's gonna grill me if I don't see it, right? And right. Uh, and so we decided to meet up and uh, and go watch the Euro Cup. Um, wh why don't you tell part of the story since I've been talking? Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly what the time frame was. Uh, my original plan was to get up like at six a.m. and um, watch the whole like Virgin rocket launch thing, and then. Um, it didn't even start uh, at 6 a.m. anyway, because I was yeah, up at 6 a.m. An hour and a half, and then, I don't know, it was, it was, I don't know what to do that night, but I got no, I hardly got any sleep. I must have like three hours of sleep or something. I was such a zombie. And by the time I realized 12 o'clock was going to roll around soon, um, I think it was 10, 15 or so, and you live about an hour away, and I wanted to go to this English pub, uh, because England uh, was hosting Italy and I figured probably should get there at least half an hour early um, just so we can get in you know in the door but uh, you that didn't give you a whole lot of time I mean you were like uh, okay let's do this and you had to like get your shit together and deal with the dog or whatever and like drive all the way over here and then it was 10 minutes did, away for you and, and an hour yeah, away for me. Right? 10 it's minutes part of an hour for you, yeah. right? <laughs> so, but we, we got there almost exactly at the same time. And I think you were trying to uh, contact me, um, maybe tell me not to park or something because you got there just before I did to find out that they were booked, packed, couldn't let anyone else in the door. This is how last minute ideas work sometimes, by the way. Just so you know. Right. I know. I know. But I've been to this English pub before. I don't go there very often, but I do go there for World Cup finals. And it's never been, I mean, it's never been the situation before. But this was something special because England hadn't been 
uh, hadn't won this Euro Cup since 1966. Like that's a long time ago. Yeah. So anyone with yeah, anyone with a little drop of English blood in them, I guess, <laughs> made an effort to come. And so we were scrambling, like, oh my God, we got like 25 minutes or something to find another venue to watch this in. And you had pointed out that there were people, you know, walking all over the streets, you know, in the same kind of situation, trying to find another venue to uh, to watch the game at. Um, you know, because they're dressed up in the, you know, the colors or jerseys or whatever, staring at their phones, trying to, you know, <laughs> map out the next place that had the television. Um, so I was like trying to remember like, okay, where's another sports bar? Was there another English pub somewhere? Uh, I don't know. We we're in downtown Central. So we knew, I knew there must have been something, but we had to do this really quickly. Um, and then I remembered the iron whatever, which was closed. I mean, they looked like they were. Mm -hmm. Close, close, close. And I didn't realize that they had shut down, oh, um, probably because of the pandemic, I'd imagine. Um, but then I remember this little hole in the wall kind of dive bar place. We ended up going there, but it ended up being really, really nice. So I don't know if it was under new ownership or what was going on, but you had jumped out of the car while we were a block away. You like moved your ass into line as quick as you could. And we ended up being the second to last people who actually got seats. Yeah, luckily, because it's not fun to stand killer. for two and a half hours, right? That wouldn't be no, exciting. Right, yeah. And then this game went into overtime, and then they did the penalty kick. So it was about as long as you could watch us one soccer game for. Um, but for me, the time went by so quickly. It was crazy. I don't know why. But I remember it being like 1140, 30 right when shit got real and we had to start scrambling and all of a sudden it was 3 30 like what Whoa. i can tell you like, why happened quickly i can tell you part of part of the reason what is this oh beer. yes beer that's true <laughs> beer was involved beer was involved yeah beer will make it go quickly so <laughs> yeah but beer good conversation lots of people like yelling and screaming all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun. You know, every time we blinked or looked away, you know, an important action happened, you know, that it felt like, but, um, but it was fun to get excited with people and, you know, have, I don't know, I didn't have any investment in the game, obviously, but uh, the other, yeah, yeah I root for the, root yeah, for yeah. the other dog that hasn't won yeah. forever and, uh, yeah. and uh, hopefully it's easy win, to get but... caught up in the excitement and the energy in the room and stuff like that, you know, so that ended up being a much bigger turnout than I originally had anticipated. So that was a huge win for me. I like a good atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun to go out and watch a game. I, I dig it. So thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah. And then, and then it ended, uh, the game ended and um, we were going our, our separate ways and uh, you're joking, I think about not, you know, not be, wondering where your car is. You're like, dude, where's my car sort of situation. And, um, and we talked in, you know, during the game, you know, I was, I pulled up maps and I'm like, yeah, my, my car, uh, my phone shows me where my car is parked, which is a, a great feature because I don't always remember. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I, I put a lot of faith in the phone showing me where my car is. Right. And so I went off one direction, you went the other and, uh, and you're like, yeah, let me give you a ride to your car. I'm like, no, it's right around the corner. Like it says it's like 300 feet away, right? So, so I go and I turn the corner and it is not right around the corner. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like, it didn't make any sense to me. And I'm like, you know what? Steve is really confident about this. He'll be able to find his car. <laughs> and as I was walking towards my car, and we were both convinced that our cars mm -hmm. were one block away in opposite directions. So mm -hmm. I was walking towards the original English pub that where you had parked your car, right? So I'm like, yeah, what is going on with Steve's, like, find my car app or whatever it is like and then you called me and i and i was like where are you so i tried to go pick you up and that was a bit confusing um i was going in the wrong direction and uh... you know i i figured out later what you were doing is you were going back to that scene where the fire was happening that was like yes that's because we had we we got a little bit lost and we we, we we drove by this little dumpster fire whatever it was twice but i think i think just unconsciously subconsciously whatever you had to go visit it one more time just to make sure everybody was safe. i just had to was like three I, hours I wanted later. to lend a hand you know it was a good patron and i feel like with <laughs> you know two to three beers in me that i would be the, the best candidate to help with whatever you know even if i'd have to pee on the fire you know to put it right out. there so, you go anybody need yeah. a hose i got a hose <laughs> yes yes unravel it uh <laughs> that's and, right that was uh, hilarious so, that, 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 that was more of a tech tech fail or something i'm wondering if your car just yeah. lost bluetooth connection or something at that spot and that, so it thought that's you know where it was parked my car was never there though we were in your car when we were over there right so i was never even at that point i don't know why you didn't drive in that way yeah. i don't think so i don't hmm. think so so I don't yeah, know, but it was man. the first time it had, it had failed me in that, right? And, you know, and I would have gotten there eventually, but I was, I started out being really about a half a mile away from the car. And then when my walking of the wrong direction ended up 0.7 miles away, and I can, I can walk and I can jog and eventually get there. It would have been fine. But luckily you were a couple blocks away and able to pick me up and take me to where my car actually was. So <laughs> thank you for that, good sir. Yeah, no worries, man. That was funny. Yes. All right. So that was our events for the past couple of days or so. I think we should bring in our guest. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go ahead and bring right, so our guest from Beyond the Pond. Yes, again, Davey Fury, uh, and he has a new album out uh, July that just came out July 9th called Haunted Streets. Uh, and uh, check that out as well as his podcast that he has called the Green Wave Podcast. He inter interviews uh, Irish musicians and has them play songs and breaks down the songs. Uh, so you can uh, definitely worth checking out um, oh, cool. and uh, and we'll talk about it a little bit with him now. Here it is. Davey Fury. Nice. Good. How are you doing, Davey? I'm good. It's lovely to see you. It's lovely to see you. Wait till I get this mic in a bit. Does it sound all right for you? It sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't ask you before, but uh, do you think maybe at the end uh, you might be able to play an acoustic song? Uh, I can't. My guitars okay. are in the studio. Sorry, Lucy didn't uh, mention that I needed. I didn't one. ask her, and you know, and then you know, it got locked in late on Friday. So. Oh, I, hold I, on! I have, a, I do have a guitar there actually. Do you? Yeah. Sorry, most okay. of me, most of my guitars are in the studio, but I have a guitar in the house. Yeah, okay. I could do something if you wanted. Uh, that would be awesome. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really digging the new album. We can, you know, uh, chat about that in a little bit. Actually, there's a lot to talk about with the, the new album. But, you know, I, um, I want to start with how you're doing. I know uh, things right now in your neck of the woods are pretty challenging still. Not a lot of live shows able to be booked and, um, and things are not in a great place COVID-wise, right? 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, uh, I think it's most part of the world at this stage. I know um, the Americans were very quick with the vaccinations coming out, which was a great thing to see. And I know there are some live shows happening over there, which again is is great to see. Over here, it's it's a lot slower um, so far. So uh, I'm not wasting too much energy on that, on worrying about when the gigs will be back, because it's out of my control, basically. Um, yeah. There's nothing I can do to change it. So I don't see the sense in in trying to worry about something I can't really control. Um, what I can do is keep myself busy uh, or keep myself within the music and within the songs. So that's what I'm, I'm focused on, Steve. I hope that makes sense. Probably next year, I'd imagine that hopefully there'll be some gigs happening back, proper gigs. Yeah. And I know at the beginning of, you know, COVID, like you started, you, you did some live shows, but, you know, you didn't get the same sort of feeling from them, right? Obviously, as, as oh, the, having the, the audience there. With yeah, the streaming you mentioned, the streaming yeah. you're referring to. Yeah, I did one lately, actually, just when the album, well, actually, it was only about three or four weeks ago. It took me some time to do it. <laughs> I can be yeah. very stubborn. I'm a very stubborn old man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you, I, I didn't like it. <laughs> But but you played the album in its entirety, right? Yeah, which was good for me. I'm not sure whether it was good for the audience or not. <laughs> it was good for me because I didn't play, I didn't play many of the songs last year. You know, because of COVID, uh, because there were no gigs. So to get to hang out with the songs and learn them, kind of nearly learn them again, some of them, I guess, and to reconnect with them in a live scene, that was very special. And I did enjoy that. I was jokingly saying I didn't enjoy it, but uh, of course, I love singing songs and I love playing music. I just prefer when the energy of the audience is is right there. Right. So how, how challenging was that for you? When I mean, this album was supposed to come out like right at the beginning of COVID, right? So I'm mean, mm. sure you were like days, weeks away from it coming out, uh, anticipating it and everything. And then, um, and then, you know, who told you to hold it and, and like, how did you get that message and, and how hard was it for you to hold on to that for over a year at this point? Yeah, it was instinct, really. It, when it started, it was only maybe two weeks away, I say, Steve, from being released. And there were tours booked and all that that goes along with the release. Um, so the way COVID was developing at the time, we didn't really know how long it was going to be last, how long the whole pandemic would have lasted you know we were hoping right we'll go into lockdown for a couple of weeks and then we'll be out and we'll be gigging for the summer and we can release it in the summer that was my initial thought and as it progressed of course we found out that this is here for longer than we all anticipated or that we all expected maybe or what most of us did anyway so i just had to hold fire uh and i was okay with that you know there's there's a lot of stuff happening in the world steve people dying people getting really really sick losing loved ones, not being able to hold their hands. Me not being able to release an album is way, 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 way down the list of uh, important things. So there was a perspective there that I had that I was, I was very comfortable with in not releasing the album because there was so much happening in people's lives um, and so much negativity around that uh, we just had to try and take care of each other and take care of our neighbours and our families. So... Yeah. It, was, uh, it was a different perspective. Yeah, your family's doing okay? Yeah, thanks, man. I hope yours are too. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's... You, you did all right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and you mentioned you know a few minutes ago, but things are starting to come around in the states, which is good. I mean, it's weird. It's definitely weird uh, because you go into a grocery store and a lot of people aren't wearing masks, and you're like, well, I kind of feel like I still should, but it's not mandated anymore. Uh, you know, their restaurant. It's like everything's back and. I mean, right before everything opened back up, I mean, I drove hundreds of miles down south to Southern California uh, to, to go see a live show, you know, because it's been over a year since really? I've seen live music. And, you know, I'd had musicians, you know, play through Zoom, but it's not the same, right? It's, it's no. great. It's great. It's what we got, you know, uh, but, uh, but just as it is for you, it's, it's not the same as having that audience and being in that crowd and, uh, and, and part of that whole experience. So, but you know, I was willing to drive to Southern California to go do it. So, Who'd you go uh, see? Uh, this San Francisco band called Conbrio. Um, they're a, a great live band, and uh, and we've had them on the program numerous times. So we interviewed them at the show and everything, and uh, we're we're familiar. It was a it was a good live experience back. So good. But, and where are you now, Steve? Are you in San uh, Francisco? Or are you uh, cl close? I'm I'm in Napa, California, actually. Oh, so, okay, right. Yeah, nice yeah. part of the country. It's uh, it's really nice. Yeah, I like it here. So, um, yeah. So, so tell me a little bit about kind of let's go back kind of to the beginning. Um, what music did you grow up with? What did your parents listen to as you when you were a kid? My dad just liked dance, not dance music, but music you could jive to or waltz to or dance. You know, uh, mommy kind of liked country music. So I remember growing up. Um, there was a country music television. CMT, I think, came out yeah. maybe in the 90s or something like that. So they were showing gigs from Gareth Brooks and um, Vince Gill. And she liked that kind of music. But they were fairly open to anything, really. Um, and that was before YouTube, of course. So the only way you could experience a gig was either if one of the television programs showed it or you went to the bloody gig, which is brilliant, like, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know it's it's everything's changed. It's just everything's at your fingertips now, but it didn't used to be like that. You had to put effort into it, right? Yeah, like you can see a show from start to finish. Some artists have changed the set list regularly, and some just do the same show for the whole tour. So you can actually see a show before you go to it, which is a bit shit. Yeah. Sorry, am I love course? Yeah, yeah, go for it. No, you're good. All right, I don't want to insult you or your listeners. You're you definitely aren't. So <laughs> be yourself. But if you're not yourself, you insult me. <laughs> uh, 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 but so what, what live shows did you, you latch on to early on? And when did you know that you wanted to, to make start making music? Uh, anything I could go to really. There were songwriters that I, it was always songwriter for some reason. I was very taken by someone who wrote a song and sang it themselves. And being in Ireland, it was, Jesus, there was, it was, there was, it was a rich way to grow up musically. You know what I mean? Yeah. There were so many people singing and writing songs and music is such a part of our culture and such a part of life. Like you go to a wedding, you go for a few drinks, a few beers, a few have a session, always ends up in a sing song. You know, you go back to someone's house and someone takes out a guitar and you sing. And, um, and same at weddings, like to go on all day and go down for three or four days sometimes. But so music brought people together, brought people made people smile and made people cry. Um, I was aware of the importance of music in people's lives and in my own life. And that's not something to, to fuck around with, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
like someone asks you to sing a song that's really close to them, that's that's their memory that you're honoring. So it's um, you kind of you give it the respect it deserves. So I, I learned that pretty young, and I learned to respect the power of song, and that is really where it lies, you know. So anybody that had a story to tell, I kind of listened to them. So I got to see an awful lot of musicians, whether it was in just a local bar, some guy writing a song, some girl writing a song, to uh, to the traveling musicians who came who came to the country, like Dylan yeah. and uh, Paul Simon and Bruce. Bruce came much later, actually. I didn't get into Bruce until the Rising album. Early, yeah. early noughties. But uh, Steve Earle, you know, there's incredible, it's incredible musicians. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you about Dylan actually, so that's a good kind of segue to that because I know you played a, a couple of Dylan songs uh, for a, a celebration of his, right? Like for his 80th birthday. Yeah, I was one of his friends was setting it up, and she just asked me to do two songs. It was online again, so it was uh, the sound can be challenging online with an acoustic guitar and yeah and a mic, but yeah. But it was really enjoyable, actually. Yeah, I love I love singing Bob songs. Yeah. What, so what 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 impact is his music had on you? Huge, huge. I would say um, the poetry involved in the lyrics. Um, like, there's a couple of musicians there, a couple of songwriters that really write differently to other people, and that might be might be a silly thing to say and sometimes we all write differently we all write our own ways well we don't all write our own ways actually uh but dylan and paul simon leonard cohen they're different ways of and tom waits different ways of describing the most mundane things possible um that was really appealing it was it's like turning your mind around you know what i mean from the from the normal to the abnormal and accepting that and bringing it into your life and it's it enhances it enhances my confidence uh just by listening to those songs and saying it's all right you can write whatever the fuck you want man you don't have to send it out you don't have to give it to anybody you can just sing it for yourself um or else you can release it then if you do want to so yeah dylan's a lot of dylan's work is is really important even modern times from 2005 or six or time out of mind and then blood in the tracks would probably be my favorite album oh mercy was one of the first albums i ever heard of dylan actually yeah and it's funny hearing the stories after steve you know with daniel lanois uh, being producing that album for dylan and you know there's a bit of clashing there as well with different styles and it was it was a strange album for dylan now on in hindsight wasn't it because you don't, you don't kind of feel that impact. You don't know that impact until you kind of hear it later, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was, I was impacted by the songs straight away just for what they were. Yeah, and exactly. That all, that always remains. And then it's just kind of interesting to hear some of the stories that went on in the sessions. I think they recorded in New Orleans or Nashville, maybe. I'm not okay. 100% sure, Steve. But yeah, I'm not 100% either. So yeah, but Lanois was, of course, you know that that sonic sound that he does and Dylan is Dylan. So it was, it was, uh, it's funny. It's interesting to see how other people work too. Yeah. Do, do you remember getting your first guitar? I do. Yeah. It was a secondhand Spanish guitar. Um, lovely little thing actually. 
uh, and it made noise. So that was was all good. I was late enough. Like I was, I was probably fourteen, maybe thirteen or fourteen. Um, I wasn't some whiz kid like you see some Chinese or American kids at three years of age playing Bohemian Rhapsody. You know? Yeah, no prodigy, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, amazing. That's fascinating. But yeah, and then I got my first um, semi-acoustic with my dad in Dublin. We got the bus up. And uh, he was a bit shocked by the prices of them, but I, I talked him around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were really talking into it, huh? And yeah, and did you teach yourself or did you take lessons? Uh, I taught myself actually, probably wrongly. I'd encourage anybody to try and go get lessons if they can. Yeah. It's always the better way. Um, but yeah, oh, man, strumming the guitar like is there's some feeling when you when when you're starting off and you. You get those two chords together, you know. Do you yeah. play? You do. So you I don't. You. I don't actually. No, it's not my guitar. Actually, but <laughs> you're just showing no. off. I I know. Yeah, exactly. You call me on it. But <laughs> it was good decor for the background. But, uh, uh, no, I, I've tried, but I just I can't get my hands to do you know the right way, and I don't have the patience to to learn it. You know, so mm. I haven't gotten there. But uh, yeah. Well, it's um, worth it. If you do get there, Steve, it's worth it. I'm sure I'll pick it up at some point when I have a little extra time on my hands. But yeah, I just haven't it it normally comes, it'll come calling to you when it's ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to ask you, you know, I mean, it's just naturally, but also Flogging Molly um, is, oh, you yeah. know, one, one of my uh, favorite bands and they're, they were formed in LA, but they're, you know, obviously Irish style and everything. What's, what's your take on Flogging Molly? What is in kind of, what is the, what does their presence feel like in Ireland? Because it feels like, I mean, they're deeply rooted there. It feels like they're deeply rooted there. I don't know the people in, in Flogging Molly. I don't think I've ever met them. One of my friends did a tour with them from Nashville, Dylan Walsh, well, he's from Dublin, but he's living in Nashville. Um, he did a tour with, with, with the Mollies. Um, I'm not sure whether a whole lot of people would, would realize who they are in Ireland, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's not being disrespectful by any means. You know, they're, a, they're an amazing band and amazing live energy that they have. It's, it's incredible. I think when they do come over, they might play Vicar Street, which is a lovely venue here that holds about maybe 1,000 or 1,500 people. Yeah. Um, but what energy they bring, man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I, love, I love their style. I love their passion for it. And they're not faking it, you know. They're, they're the real deal. Yeah. Dave King, the lead singer, told me when I – I mean, I've interviewed him a number of times over the years, but um, told me um, – like 15 years ago, almost 20 years ago, probably now when I interviewed him, like uh, that, um, you know, Angus Young uh, told him, you know, play every show like it's your last. And so they, they do, you know, and, and I've never seen him put on a bad show, which is incredible. Yeah, yeah that shows great spirit. And uh, yeah, that's, that's nice to hear, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely inspirational. Yeah, and you know, always give 100% no matter what, right? People. It is. Yeah, they always turn up. They never have a night off. Yeah, it's great. There are, but surprisingly, most of the best bands and best singers in the world are like that. Yeah. Um, the yeah. real quality ones. No, I'm not talking about the pop uh, as such. You know what I mean? Right. You know what I'm right. getting at? Oh, um, I know what you're going. Yeah. I'm talking about the longevity. When you think of Bob Seger still doing it, Dylan's still doing it, Springsteen's still doing it, Leonard Cohen did it until he got sick in his late 70s. Um, 
Paul Simon only recently retired. Yeah. Uh, Christy Moore here in Ireland, 76, and he just has to gig. Um, so there's the real ones are connected to the songs, and I think the Mollies are, are definitely like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so let's let's talk about the new album, um, Haunted Streets. Um, tell me where where's that name came come from? What does that uh, mean to you, and how did that kind of latch itself onto the song? It was a lyric in the song "Who Am I," and usually I'd name the album when it's finished. Um, but when when "Who Am I" was was written and recorded, "Haunted Streets" seemed to capture a lot of the songs on on the album. Um, I always kind of struggle to mix, to explain myself very well or explain the songs very well. I, I, I tend not to do that so much, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, for fear of putting people sideways. <laughs> but Haunted Streets definitely, in, definitely captured the essence of the album with the spirits and the ghosts, with Secret Light, another song on it, The Final Frontier, um, The Ghost in Me. It created an image that was related to a lot of the other songs, I think. And uh, I like the title. I think it, it didn't give away too much, but it gave away enough to to show you, okay, this is where we're at. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned Who Am I? You just put out the, like, it's it's uh, kind of a lyric video of sorts uh, that you, uh, you put out for Who Am I? And yeah, I, you know, I go, th listening to that song, you know, it, I kind of take something away from it. I think then I think you meant for it, but it, tell me, tell me kind of what that song is derivative from and kind of where you were going with, with Who Am I? Yeah, I kind of never know where I'm going with a song, to be honest. <laughs> but who, <laughs> who Am I reveals something different to me every time, Steve. It's uh, like you say, you, you took something away from it. It takes, and it's not a, a six or seven minute power ballad or a huge song or anything like that, you know? Um, I think musically it's it's fairly strong, all right, and lyrically it's strong as well. I don't mind saying that, but I always take something different away from it, whether it's the images or the feeling or the sound of Steve Wickham's fiddle. Um, it's I feel very very close to this whole album actually. I feel and, and I know I'm sitting on it maybe two or three years, and normally it's time to move on. And uh, there's a whole bunch of songs there I'm going to record in a couple of weeks. But I feel very close to this album. It's it's a it's a very intimate album for me personally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't have always felt that with all the songs, you know. Well, I know there's some that are, like you said, super personal. I mean, uh, I want to talk about a couple of them. Um, the Ghost in Me is about your dad, um, mm. and so tell me about how writing about your dad. Uh, when did you when did you lose him? Two thousand and one he passed away in october 2001 20 years wow 20 years man jesus christ it's unreal yeah, yeah. uh it's unreal uh and there's a process that you have to go through i don't speak for anybody else that i had to go through and it took a long time to even cry about him uh it took a long time not not so much to accept it i nearly accepted it too quickly you know what i mean yeah uh and writing was a big part of that process. And even now we are 20 years later, or maybe when the song was written 18 years later, um, there's still certain images. And they're not all sad images, by the way. I know the ghost of me is quite 
melancholic, I suppose, and, and somber in many ways. But they're not all sad images when I write about them, you know. There's a lot of fun there, a lot of enjoyment. When I, was, when I was gigging in the bars, actually, you go into a bar and there might be three guys sitting at the table watching a fucking movie on, on, on the telly. There'd be the only three lads in it, and I'd be coming in, dragging in my gear and dragging in the speakers. And one lad would say, Jesus, keep down that music now, won't you? I said, all right, this is going to be fucking great. This is going to be a life-changing gig here. Uh, and I'd picture Daddy sitting on a stool with a pint. Yeah. Said, yeah, it was my way of getting through it. And my way of feeling the spirit, and he just said, "Right, Davy, sing away there. I live a few pints, and I listen to you." And I really settled down and, and loved the songs then, and I just sang, and uh, a few more people came in, and they turned off the fucking movie after, which is good. good. Yeah, that that <laughs> helps for sure, right? Don't need that blame in the background. So. Yeah, this is many years ago, but uh, it's that kind of closeness I, I feel to him. Uh, I wasn't always there. It took some time, to be really honest. But music and writing definitely helps. He was very proud of uh, of when I started learning guitar and singing songs. Yeah. And Music Man is another one that's super personal for, uh, for you, right? I mean, your, your friend Martin Walsh. Um, I mean, having to lose a friend is hard enough. But I mean, how do you prepare yourself for, you know, he wanted you to sing that song at his uh, at his funeral, right? Yeah, we had the most beautiful gig in his house. He was in he was in the bed. Uh, it was probably a week before he died. And he said, "Mort, I can call up and sing a few songs if you want." You know, there was no pressure. And he was such a music lover and such a collection of albums. He said, "Yes, Davey, I'd love it." So he brought up uh, his family and a few friends, and we had a gig. In, in his bedroom singing songs and we had a great laugh, <laughs> you know, the dark humor, you know, so what are you going to do? You're not going to sit around crying for the whole gig or anything. So, yeah. um, so we had a great, great fun with it, you know, and he said, said to his wife or he said to me, and I can't remember, he said, it's not often you be at your own wake and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. So it, it would have been easy to say that was a really tough gig, but it was actually one of the nicest moments I had with music. Because yeah. here we are saying goodbye to this man, and uh, he wanted these songs, and uh, I remember, I remember really, really well. It was, it was only about four or five years ago, maybe three years ago. But yeah, he asked me. He, I sang Music Man for him about a week or about a year before that, because he was very sick, you know, for years, and then he'd come back, and then he'd be sick. So I sang it on the radio for him one day, and he loved it, and it gave him a real perk up. Songs are, you know, when you, when you give a gift of a song, why not give it? It's, it's, a, it's a lovely thing. It's a lovely thing to receive, I think, providing yeah. the message is all right. Oh, <laughs> you know? for sure, right? You're, I mean, you're not going to sing. <laughs> if you want to write to your ex-girlfriend yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Maybe not that one for, uh, for this occasion. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe you'd want to, you know, just to get back at her. But, uh, yeah. Idiot wind in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, they're, they're powerful songs, you know, whether it's a gift or whether you want to tell someone to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You can do a lot through music, right? So you can. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Use way. it all, man. Use it all. And I have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Farewell Returning Blues. This is one you kind of held on to for a while. You, uh, you had it for eight years, which is before your first album really came out, right? So like, was this one you were just mm. like, 
you were trying to wiggle into your first album, but you um, it didn't have a place, so you, you kind of found it in here. That's a lovely way of putting it, man. I'm going to uh, write down that actually. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. That works. You know, for your next interview, you'll uh, you'll be able to pull. I'm just going to repeat that word for word, man. Well, a friend of mine in in Napa said to me, <laughs> "Yeah, I recorded it. Yeah, about ten years ago, I'd say maybe eight years ago, and uh, it didn't just didn't sit with me over the years. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I didn't release it, so I." Uh, one of my friends said, Jez, you should record that song again. So I did. And uh, Darren Holden from the High Kings, who a big uh, ballad band. And Darren played Billy Joel, actually, on Billy's Moving Out on, the, on oh, Broadway. Really? Okay. Yeah. So he, he toured America for many years doing that. Uh, phenomenal piano player. And he, he, he put down some harmony as well. So uh, I slowed it right down. And I was thinking maybe, I think it's probably Van Morrison or Van Morrison kind of song in my head maybe at the time for that type of arrangement. Yeah. Uh, without the sax. There was no saxophone in it. I thought that might be a bit too close to Van the Man. And you don't you want know. to get on the wrong side of Van. No, you, no, I, I've heard that <laughs> it doesn't work out too well, you know. <laughs> Not too pleasant of a, of a guy from what I've heard. So, yeah. He can be hit and miss, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I love that song. I love that old song, Steve. Yeah, I love singing it. It's uh, I remember writing it in my granddad's house, which is probably twelve years ago. Yeah, I remember some songs. I remember exactly where I wrote them. And I do you have that, a spot where you connect? You know, like that really helps pull out for you. Like, do you, is there a spot you go to, or do you just kind of no? There's not. No, it's a, a spiritual spot. I guess it would be the best way of doing it or saying it. But uh, in a physical space, no, I, I've never done that. And I know friends of mine and other musicians who go for a week of a retreat or some, you know, songwriting retreat on themselves out in the west of Ireland in the cottage with no Wi-Fi. And that's very appealing, actually, but I'm not sure I'd write any songs. Maybe I would, but it uh, sounds gorgeous. But yeah. I've never I thought you were going to say no wife, by the way, but uh, that too. So, well, no yeah. wife too. Well, we're <laughs> no musicians, wife, no man. <laughs> that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, that sounds really nice too. I'd, I'd like to do that maybe someday, but yeah, uh, no, thankfully, once I can get into a, a spiritual place, I'm all right with, with songs arriving so far. But uh, it's I just it's important to honor that too, you know, the songs anytime a song comes to you, it's, it's a huge moment, yeah. Um, the last song I want to talk about on the album was uh, Flames on the River, which. Um, I'm interested in your perspective as someone from outside the United States, uh, because this is about the shitstorm that, uh, that, you know, that was our, our last president and, um, you know, and what happened that's so embarrassing. I mean, it's just ridiculous that this would even, you know, we'd ultimately have like a war on our own land. Yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. Uh, so what, what is your perspective of that from an outsider and how do you, what inspired you to drive, you know, to, Build that into a song. Uh, well, he's sort of divisive, isn't he? There's he's a, um, he's a lot of things I agree with you, yeah. And still, I was shocked at the amount of votes that he got in November in the last election against Biden. You mean that, that? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. That's that was kind of frightening to me. I thought, and I was talking, who was I talking to? But I think it was Jerry Adams I was talking to about it. 
it was so frightening. I thought we, I thought America had gone past that. I thought that was back in maybe in the 60s or the 70s, perhaps, or maybe the 80s. Uh, so I was shocked at the amount of votes that he got after the rhetoric that he that he spills out of his his mouth. Um, I think shock would be the one thing. I was angry too, even though I'm not American, you know. Yeah. This is attack on transgender people and on the climate. Um, that office holds such prestige around the world, the White House, that it's uh, when it's treated badly which I believe he did treat it disgustingly. And it's interesting to see what New York are doing, actually, with these, um, with these charges. So it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Um, personally, I think it's only a matter of time without knowing anything really that's going on. But you could see a mile away, he's a fucking crook. Yeah. Sorry, I don't want to get you into labor <laughs> difficulties here now, but... No, no. <laughs> and we're bringing him in now. No, no. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. do bring him in. Take no. down that guitar and give him a belt of it. Right. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, no. I, I. I agree. But you know, I think as someone from here, right? I mean, at the beginning, like there was a lot of shock for me, like. Of, but then it's like everything that happens, and then there's no repercussion for any of it, right? He's just mm. blanket, you know, just able to do whatever he wanted to do. Um, endlessly to take down any group or any but you know say anything and even how he held you know how he held the, the virus you said at the beginning of this you know our chat about how great we've done in the united states well didn't start that way mm-hmm. uh right i mean we had someone who didn't believe in it didn't think it was real and then you know under the table you know i mean he, he got it and then but then after he got out of office he he got the shot but he's telling his people not to do mm. it still, you know, it's speaking at both corners and, you know. And what was more frightening as well, Steve, was that there was no one there to challenge him from his own base. Um, or can, anyone who did, he fired, right? So, he fired, but then there was no one to back up them, you know. If anyone stood yeah. up, it was like there was just one single hand standing up or one single pair of feet standing up. And there was no collectiveness from the Republican Party, I guess, like Mitch McConnell or... It just shows the the disgusting nature of of politics and the system. And we have it in Ireland here. I'm not just saying America and not um, disrespecting your country by any means, Steve, you know, because I really love going to the States and have a lot of family and friends over there. But uh, we have I'm talking about politics in general around the world. It's it's a disgusting piece of work to get involved in. It's uh, and I just haven't met really bar with the exception of maybe one or two decent politicians that you could actually shake shake hands with and not wash your hands after it. Yeah, it's it's tough. And I, I think the flip-flopping every four years is uh, is a challenge. You know, I mean, when we're trying to be taken seriously overseas and around the world as well, right? I mean, it's, it's mm. like, okay, we're, we're finally making traction and then everything changes, right? Um, goes back to what it was. So. Yeah, like four years, not a long time in politics or in war even, you know, but uh, and there's a lot of stuff riding on America's capabilities of, of peace, of um, climate change. It's, it's really, really important, you know, when you see Biden, thankfully, coming back into the Paris Accord and uh, 
I'm disappointed with, with what's happening in Palestine and Israel. Yeah. Um, but again, these are just my opinions. Doesn't mean I'm right. Even though I am most of the time, Steve. Here you are, of course. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not. I don't know. <laughs> I'll take it back. No, I'm only uh, joking. Yeah. Um, so tell me, um, during this uh, pandemic, you found a voice through um, through podcasting, and you've been uh, mm. been able to create a, a podcast, the Green Wave podcast, um, where you uh, do kind of what I'd been doing uh, for seven years. So you kind of stole my thing, but that's cool. Uh, seven you know, years, very yeah. good, man. I mean, I've been interviewing bands since I was a kid, but um, but I started the podcast 2014, seven years, I guess. Yeah, so this is the 320th, some almost 320th episode or something. But Fantastic. We do it every week and, you know. And COVID has been able to, I'm, I'm turning around to me, but then we'll go back to you. No, no, I'm interested <laughs> in you. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah. COVID is, you know, you should be, okay, we go to concerts and we'd interview bands at the show and, um, you know, whoever's coming through the Bay Area, right, you know, uh, big bands, small bands, whoever is interesting, you know, uh, that sort of thing, and then play a couple songs from the, the show, whatever, right, but and COVID introduced Zoom, which is a, a great, <laughs> you know, a great ability for me to talk to people like you, and I mean, I've interviewed, interviewed bands in the UK, in Australia, uh, around you know the world, of course, locally as as well. And it's uh, interviewed. I mean, it's kind of created this new ability to do that that was always kind of there, but not in the same kind of yeah. sense, right? Or not, you know, not yeah, blessed, absolutely. So through your podcast, uh, Greenway Podcast, you you go in depth with. Uh, with musicians you and you primarily focus on uh on musicians in ireland right i did yeah because there was no work for them or yeah. for us so i wanted to uh want to try and give them just a little shot in the arm or give all ourselves a shot in the arm um and i wanted it to be all about the songs i had no real interest in their private lives but inevitably songs are related to private life so if, if anybody wants to talk about it they can but um it's fascinating it's fascinating to see how people work how people write songs at specific times of the day you know what i mean yeah like one by jinx lennon he's a kind of a oh he's a he's a fantastic songwriter but he said oh, i have to write the minute i wake up i write a song because i'm not yeah. fully awake and i'm still half in dreamland half in this so-called reality <laughs> And that's yeah, I talked to someone who uh, who wrote songs in their dreams actually recently, like which is pretty cool. Like I'm like he like the second he woke up, he put wrote it down because it's like he got it from his dreams, and then that was like his standard process, which Jeez, is mind boggling to me. I'm like I've talked to so many people, and you never hear something like that. That's funny how you yeah. said that. I did that during the week. That's amazing how you said did that you? to me. A did friend you? of mine, I swear on my life. Yeah. A friend of mine said it to me only last week or so. He said, you should keep the dream diary or write down your dreams. The minute you wake up, just write everything. It doesn't have to make any sense. Yeah. And I bet, bet you there'll be loads of songs in them. Oh, fuck it, Jez, I might try that for the crack. And I tried it Wednesday or Thursday. Yeah. You, you did try it or you're going to try it? No, I did try it. Okay. But and it, how did that my work? first time what, trying it. What did you get from it? Oh man, me weirder. My dreams are off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's it's puzzle pieces. Yeah, it's, we'll put them somewhere. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's I think that's what I'm going to have to do. I released this shit. Jesus, I could be arrested. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's interesting though. There's lots of different images in it, man. 
Yeah. It was in yeah. Rome. I was at a wedding, a man in a white suit. There's, I, I, I think there's something there, all right, yeah? Yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to try and give it another shot, or I'm going to try and uh, do it more, or do it uh, repetitively. It's an interesting approach, right? You know, Isn't it? Yeah. That's amazing yeah. how you said that. You can get some good stuff from that. So, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Steve. So, I'll, I'll go 50-50. You'll get the credits. Don't worry. Oh, good, good. Probably the liner notes. Thanks to Steve Jones from Napa. You know? <laughs> yeah, just send on, send on your PayPal there. Don't worry. Exactly. I'll take, you know, my five cents from the hill. <laughs> yeah, from Spotify, you will, yeah. Right, I know. Yeah, that, that'd be a lot of plays on Spotify to get there. Oh, right? man. So, uh, yeah. So, so what have you learned from yourself by uh, by doing the Green Wave podcast and talking to uh, these music- musicians? Uh, um, it kind of got me, the hairs of me back up again a little bit, you know, to get yeah. back in, not to get back into songwriting, but to really maybe appreciate the songs. I think I've always appreciated the songs as well. But, and the fascinating way of people work the way people mind their voices, the way people don't mind their voices, um, the way they find their songs. It's extraordinary to listen to people's stories. It's like their autobiography, yeah. really. You know, they're going through different albums. Some of them have only released an album. Some have maybe 10 or 15 albums, 20 albums. So it's, it's just fascinating to hear the stories of how they came across the songs. And then when you listen to the songs, when you play them after the chat, it's a it's a cool perspective on it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's you great. Probably, everybody, you probably oh, know yeah. this already. Seven years. Oh yeah, experience. yeah. Everybody's got a story, right? And so it's and and doing it. Through, you know, I'll come back to doing this in COVID. I mean, we're able to go a lot more in depth. I mean, bands don't always have you know forty five minutes or whatever to to chat when they're in between sound check and getting dinner and, uh, and you know getting ready to go on stage and everything, but. Um, but getting to talk to folks and hear how they're impacted, you know, through uh, through what's going on in different senses, right? I mean, it's it's affected everybody, and it's this thing that, in some ways, has divided us, but in other ways, has really unified us uh, together yeah. in, in that sense, right? Everybody yeah, struggle. I, I totally agree with you, Steve. That's a it's a great point, man. That's uh, you're on the ball there. Um, but like that, giving them the time or giving people the time to talk about things. And we don't dissect the songs like, you know, line by line. It's there's no um, there's no list of questions we send to each other and ask me this or ask me that. There's none of that shit. Like, no, it's just uh, let's go like we're doing here today with me and you. Um, like we haven't talked before today. So but I feel yeah. like I know you years. I mean, little lost brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, got, I got some Irish in me, too. So, you know, like, oh, no, I do you? <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Everyone um, does. Yeah, yeah. I want to go to. I want to get to Ireland. I've never traveled like you know, uh, really outside the United States as an adult or anything. And um, it's funny. I just got my passport right before COVID hit. Like so, it, it arrived you know a couple weeks after COVID uh, started, and it's like okay, well, it's going to be a little while now. But uh, yeah, uh, so I'm there. Well, but there's I, a, I, a lot of American bands and a lot of American artists come over. Actually, John Prine. God rest him, used to live in Ireland. Steve Earle lived here for a while. Um, you get the bigger bands, but you also get the the guys that wouldn't be so well-known and to come over for a couple of weeks. And there's some lovely little venues. So yeah. there's a there's a big welcome for, here for you, man. When you want to come, Steve, just let me know and we'll set it up. 
Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely, no problem. Um, and um, when we're talking about traveling, you you were planning a U.S. tour. Is that still um, in the works? Is that you know penciled not in? Re- not no, there's nothing penciled in. Yeah. Uh, we just stopped the dates, cancelled the dates, um, and there was too much expense involved in trying to reschedule dates. Like we were going to reschedule for October, that would have been some disaster you know and then yeah. we're going to reschedule them for maybe march or april this year again still not yeah. you know because you're putting in money into accommodation you're putting into money to rehearsals um to merchandise and to all the stuff that goes around the gigs so it was it's, it's just too much for me to take on not knowing for certain that i can travel yeah uh yeah. and that the gigs can go ahead so i hope in 2022 that we'll get over for a couple of gigs either solo or with the band it's quite expensive to bring a band now into the state so it would probably or anywhere i don't mean just america but um there's a travel in general here yeah so i'll probably do it solo i keep everything for myself yeah there you go that's that, that's a good way to do it too right so uh have you toured the us before i've done a couple of gigs yeah on the east coast um down new york boston philly uh Delaware, that general area, the northeast. Yeah. yeah. I haven't been out yeah. to the West Coast yet though, huh? No. No, I've been out there, but not playing music. I've been out in Hawaii and I've been in LA a few times and Vegas and Texas, uh Chicago. I know it's not out west, but um oh Jesus, I love going to the States, man. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I lived in New York briefly for a couple of months. Um 22 years ago i'd say wow yeah, yeah. it's a big difference now from ireland to new york oh yeah yeah a little bit i was like a little <laughs> less green in new york than it is in ireland so yeah i was saying hello to everybody on the street oh yeah all right how's it going <laughs> they're like don't talk to me well, that's this fucking yeah. guy doing <laughs> yeah it's like it's like buddy in the movie elf or something right like yeah <laughs> yeah i wasn't doing like that yeah looking yeah. up at the buildings nearly falling over yeah that's awesome some, some experience though i loved it you you had mentioned pulling together some songs for a new album uh, i know you the tone is kind of going to be a little quieter than this current uh, album that's, that's what i anticipate yeah no you never really know until you go into the studio but um if the songs pull somewhere else we go with the songs always will um but i can I'm going with a different, I'm going to use uh, a different producer, uh, a couple of different musicians, just to change things around a, a little bit, Steve. And uh, yeah, we'll see. There's some interesting songs there that I hope will transfer themselves well. Yeah. Well, you usually work with Martin Quinn um, on your albums. Like, what, what have you learned from Martin? I've learned that I'm a shite musician. <laughs> that means he's like just stop now <laughs> that means you can pick up anything and play it and i'm just sitting there all right this is great thanks martin yeah <laughs> he's an amazing man we've become great friends over the last 15 years and uh with engineers you have to be really careful with producers because they can take over an album and take over songs and especially if you're not strong enough to say no you know in the early years martin's a great great listener and he's he's a way of of getting inside my head for the songs. That's not engin- every engineer gets that, you know. So 
Um, I'm kind of taking a chance with using a different producer this time, but there's nothing wrong with that either, man. It's just for yeah. a couple of songs and we'll see what happens. But Martin is such a great multi-instrumentalist, uh, harmonizing keys, guitars. His brother plays drums. It's a lovely studio. Uh, and I couldn't speak highly enough of him. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, Davey, you um, you said there's a guitar somewhere in your house. So if you want to play a song, it'd be great to hear some live music. Okay. I go drinking But I ain't got the money This life would be so sad If it wasn't for you, honey Any sudden movements Would be seen as drastic Then again, this kip was never meant to be fantastic. And just like the wind, I've changed direction. Every dream needs to begin within its own reflection. Your love became my love I've confessed more than I've sinned Your heart has blown me apart Just like the wind And I've seen the riderless horse Emerge from the mist of time Seen old men chase the past Asking the future to rewind Broken women Looking for somebody to blame Still carrying within themselves An extinguishing flame Just like the wind I've changed direction And every dream needs to begin Within its own reflection Your love became my love I've confessed more than I've sinned your heart has blown me apart Just like the wind Can't tell you what I want Just know what I have in God This heart's on fire Like it's been shot I'm blinded by the colors of her soul 
rocked by the rhythm of her voice I would have gone deeper but she didn't give me any choice and just like the wind I've changed direction yeah. every dream needs to begin within its own reflection your love became my love and I've confessed more than I've sinned your heart has blown me apart just like the wind just like the wind just like the wind for Stevie in California there you go I like it <laughs> very cool well, Davey, I, I want to thank you for taking the time. And I, I know you're you're ready for this new album to come out. Uh, it's it's been long awaited, and uh, um, and I really wish you the you know the best with the new album and, and it coming out and being able to play shows. I know you're you know not pushing for that until it's right, but you know I know you want to get out and play some shows live. So <laughs> oh, Mitchin, man, I can't wait. And uh, thanks very much for inviting me on and for for connecting with the songs. It's uh... It was a real pleasure talking to you. Hey. It was, a, it was a real nice chat, so thank you. The pleasure is mine. So, um, Episode will be out in a few weeks. I'll shoot Lucy the links when uh, when it's live, but uh, um be out really soon, okay? Yeah, please do. And uh, if yeah. you stay in touch, anything you need, give us a shout. And in the meantime, enjoy your time with your uh, your little one because uh, that's uh, it's precious. They grow really fast. So, I, I mean... Your daughter, I, I tell you, like she looks like a spitting image of my daughter that, that, uh, when she was that age. My daughter's 11 now. Uh, but um, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, uh, I just, I had this flashback when I saw her. Uh, away, yeah. Because yeah. I have another daughter. She's, she'd be 19 in, in September, September 1st. Oh, wow. Uh, so little Sive was a, was a great surprise. But, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. What's, what's your daughter's name? Fern. Fern. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. I have a daughter and a son. So, yeah. Ah, deadly. Seven year old son. So, yeah. Uh, nice. So, good stuff. All right. Well, Davey, you have, a, you have a great rest of your day. Okay. Or I guess evening at this point. So, evening time now, man. Yeah. Thanks yeah. so much, Davey. It was lovely talking to you, man. All right. You have a good one. Have a good one. Mind yourself, man. Bye bye. Bye. That was the interview with Davey Fury here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that cheers, takes us Davey. to the final segment. Cheers uh, on the program. What is it? Well, it's time to discuss some music news. Uh, part of the podcast here where we talk about what's going on in the world of music. Why don't you take the first story, Jens, after you take that swig of beer? All righty then. Let's talk about some Black Crows. All right. I like it. Yeah. So this is the deal. Uh, the Black Crows are to release a reunion film called Brothers of a Feather. 
Mm, okay. Reunion. Black Crows reunion. Reunion. It's Yuck. one of those where there is some turmoil amongst the brothers, much like Oasis. Probably not to that degree, though, apparently, because they were, it sounds like they were able to rekindle. Yeah, family, man. There's always, when you got a family, there's always drama somewhere, right? It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. All right. So we got our brothers. We got uh, Rich and Chris Robinson. Um, they reunited last year to celebrate the 30th anniversary of their debut album, man, 30 years ago. A long time. Man, it doesn't seem that long ago. I remember rocking out in my car to that to that stuff, and like thirty years ago, shit, getting old, man. I better start reserving, um, you know, like a my cane and walker and wheelchair. <laughs> you better. I saw them open for Tom Petty <laughs> at the Greek Theater, and it, I mean, it was a really cool performance. Uh, they uh, they put on a good was live thirty show. years ago. That was about thirty years ago. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was actually two thousand and five. I want to say they're 2005, 2006, one of those two. So they were like, they got popular when you were what, like six? Probably. <laughs> I mean, uh, eight. 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 There we go. Uh -huh. Okay. So here's the story The Black Crows are set to release a new film celebrating their 2020 reunion. So there's a trailer that you can watch. Uh, the band now comprises of brothers Rich and Chris and Sven. Oh, God, I'm so bad with names. That's why you gave me this article, man. Because yes. we got like, I want to say Pippin, but that's not right. Pippin. Pippin. Pippin sounds right. Pippin sounds, right. sounds right. Okay, okay. okay. I would go I'm thinking, of the, I'm thinking of the Lord of the Rings here. Okay, so uh, reunited <laughs> last year to celebrate the 30th anniversary of their 1990 oh uh, shake the money maker that's right their first album debut was called shake your money maker now joining forces with the i was just about to say coca-cola collection coda <laughs> this beer is hitting me okay uh with the coda collection the black crows are gearing up to release brothers of a feather so the film's going to celebrate the reunion of the robinson brothers as well as three concert and studio performance programs which shine a light on the band at their very peak mm, okay i like it um so the synopsis here for the film reads never seen in full brothers of a feather captures black crows founders performing as a duo at an intimate sold out concert from san francisco on march 6 2020 about a week before the pandemic shut down okay you know what i just felt a huge a huge bit of sadness as i read an intimate sold out concert it makes so, me i don't know where this was in san francisco you, you've been where uh, this is this is at the chapel actually it's at the chapel no way that tiny little place yeah so we, i we, we could hardly find you blink yeah, and you miss it it's just like a little door not that one that one was the church i think or something the but the, ch the chapel was the one where we interviewed uh crash test dummies oh yeah, yeah. okay yeah so right. there's, that's a right, little right. bit bigger but it is but it's small for a band of the black, yeah. black crystal stature and uh and i watched this trailer <coughs> excuse me earlier and it's just the two brothers you know on stage together and mm -hmm. uh, at the chapel and it gave me this feeling of like missing these live sh performances and these intimate shows that and seeing yeah. these things that are kind of bigger than 
you know, that, you know, mm-hmm. than, than they, they are right. Like in such a small place, like, yeah, right. I, I mean, definitely recommend checking that trailer out because it's a, uh, I mean, it's pretty cool. Definitely. Yeah. Um, do you remember where that was at the city? Is that mission or where, where? the chapel where it's, it wasn't the mission. Where was it? Um, it's the, on the hill, like closer to Van Ness. It's Val- Valencia I street actually. So, um, Oh, it's, okay. whatever. Yeah, near Mission Dolores a little bit. Yeah, that's what I thought. In okay. The mission. okay, yeah, so it is in the Mission. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay, so this was pre, pre-pandemic. Okay, so uh, free, free of the full band treatment, the stripped-down arrangements give the music's lyrics and structures a fresh perspective. You can find out more information about the film online. So, yeah, definitely something really, really good to look forward to. Good stuff. Well, I have a story for you, Jens. This one was one that, that drew my attention. Um, and uh, the, do you have any guesses at what the best paying music streaming service is in terms of paying artists for, uh, for streams? So if I understand your question, which streaming service pays the musicians the most money? Yes, we know they make nothing off of streams, right? right. Like, Right. So is this uh, something, is this like a name I'd be familiar with? It is, but you are not going to uh, be able to guess this. Uh, this answer. Uh, is it, is it, um, is it, um, I have no idea. <laughs> Just no even guesses. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not even going to guess. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, and uh, you okay over there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. My, my little dog is trying to steal your dog's leash. So I'm trying to rescue your leash before can, it gets He powered. can walk himself if he wants. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, the, the answer himself. is Peloton. That totally makes sense. So, um, yeah, it's beat uh, Spotify and Apple Music when it comes to cashing out artists. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, it has the highest amount of artist royalties for every song played that isn't Spotify or, uh, or Apple Music or the supposedly artist-friendly title. Um, and it's not a streaming service per se, but I guess they pay for streams of the songs, right? Like, so if I do a Peloton right. ride and I, uh, you know, the artists that are in that ride get paid, um, based on me writing to, to their songs, uh, right. and, um, their payout rate per stream is based on a 2019 measurement of a whopping 3.1 cents which is far exceeding the fractions offered to music ride holders by Spotify, which is 0.35 cents. Apple Music, 0.68 cents. YouTube is 0.15 cents. And Tidal is 0.88 cents. Um, but um, Peloton itself is not the single highest paying music platform worldwide. Um, that is uh, bested by Facebook, which pays out nearly six cents. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so That's crazy. I mean, it's, it's interesting when you look at the, the breakdown also, because I thought that Spotify and Apple Music were a lot closer um, to mm-hmm. the amount of people, users and the amount of people that are, um, that are, you know, that there are on the platform. But um, Spotify has um, 44% of the market share b- uh, by revenue and, uh, and 22% by streams. And if you're looking at streams, Apple Music has 6% by streams and 24% by revenue. So, and uh, hmm. YouTube content ID has 51% market share by streams, but it's 6% of the market share by revenue. 
Wow. So, so that's really a lot of people, a lot of people are streaming music on YouTube, which is mm -hmm. crazy to me. You know, I mean, I, I try not to have my phone open and active when I'm not using it and I, you know, and it's a lot right. harder to shut, you know, shut YouTube and listen to, yeah. to music or any content. Mm -hmm. um, does YouTube, I'm trying to remember, does YouTube run in the background when you open up another app? If you're listening um, to a song? You can do, I think you can in a certain way, but it's difficult too mm. it's 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 just not easy right like i like to yeah. shut my device and then listen to a podcast or listen to music or what ha what have you with it shut and then go about whatever i'm mm. doing but but youtube you got to be kind of visually looking at it for the most part and, yeah but, especially uh, if you're big, doing karaoke that too especially so <laughs> i don't know i thought that was an interesting story so uh, yeah it's really interesting because I mean, it's especially relevant to you because you're a Peloton guy, right? I mean, you are yeah. on that thing every day and um, you're paying for the subscription because you love the competition and you love the leaderboard and you love seeing progress and you love comparing yourself to, you know, yourself and others. And that's what you pay for. You pay for that, you know, this hot chick to like lead you on. And that's the bulk, I guess, of, of, you know, you just follow her ass and it's like, all right. But the music part is really interesting because it's kind of a little side business. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't considered. And maybe yeah, that's why I mean, they I, can afford paying the artists more. I had no idea how that all worked out. I know they have artist <clears throat> series also. Like I did a 45 minute Gwen Stefani ride the other day. And, uh -huh. um, and you know, and like you said, the, uh, the instructor, this hot chick uh, in, from SoCal, named Kendall uh she looked exactly like Gwen like she dressed up like Gwen and had a hairpiece like a Gwen like Gwen from the No Doubt days and everything it was awesome and tons of No Doubt music in there and went back like to old school No Doubt even a bit and uh it was great and so Gwen was making money off of <laughs> that's <laughs> hilarious so does this trainer like change her outfit every week and you know impersonate someone else they they do they wear different stuff i mean a lot of times they wear peloton branded you know gear to get you to buy mm -hmm. buy their gear and stuff but when they do an artist series they really go out and try and you know dedicate dedicate it to the artist and make it a good experience i think so yeah that's a, that's, that's, a, that's cool. a really creative idea i like that yeah you have one more story for us jens i do i do i do i do i do yes so Let's talk about um, Mark Hoppus. Okay, Blink-182. Yes, so Blink-182 and uh, he was um, diagnosed with cancer. So here's an update. Um, he says, this week I'll take a test that may very well determine if I live or die. Powerful. Freaking hell, dude. I deal with that kind of pressure it's tough Cat, cancer is a bitch and it sucks to you know i feel for him yeah you know and he's he's going yeah. through it and i you know I, everything i hear he's being pos really positive about it and everything but yeah. uh but it's you, you gotta be man yeah i know it affects so many of us um so let's see uh so mark um and the uh Bassist has bassist bass bassist sorry uh, has been undergoing chemotherapy for at least three months. Um, Jesus, okay. 
so he has shared an update um, on his diagnosis saying he'll be taking a crucial medical test. Um, when was this published? So this is this week, okay. Um, so we're, in, <laughs> hey, oh my God, oh my gosh. So we are in the beginning of, so this is a little over a month ago, he shared, or maybe two months ago, he shared his diagnosis, he shared his cancer diagnosis uh, publicly. Um, and he's been undergoing the chemotherapy for at least three months. And um, he's confident, he just wants to say, I guess he's, he's just confident that he's gonna kick, quote, cancer's ass either you know through chemo or oh my god bone marrow transplant that is so painful yeah wow. he says he's going to beat this through chemotherapy i'm not going to just tweet no um, mm -hmm. um or through bone marrow transplants but either way he's determined to kick cancer's ass directly in the nuts uh love to you all let's heck and go he says um, mm -hmm. he shared a picture of uh you know the cancer also and you know he's yeah yeah he shared that medical image yep, of the tumor right mm -hmm. um yeah. he says you know he's been reading all the replies and it really means the world to him um you know he thanks everybody for the positive thoughts and the encouragement um yeah dude i am so happy just to hear that he's taking the high road on this and you know he's feeling the love um and you know, hopefully that will help him through this shit. Yeah, fingers crossed. Good thoughts out for Mark Hoppus. Yeah, totally. Well, Jens, I have one more story. I think mm -hmm. you know who it, who it involves. Is Mr. Dave Grill. That's right. I didn't think I was gonna have a story and then this one came um, across my desk like really last minute, I mean, this came out today, so. Um, the, the Foo Fighters shared a video of their performance of the classic Bee Gees hit, uh, I Should Be Dancing. Uh, the track appears on their forthcoming uh, Dee Gees release, uh, uh -huh. which is... We spoke uh, about that last time. We did. Um, uh, it's called Hail Satan, right? Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hilarious uh, is that. Uh, which we'll see a special Record Store Day limited edition vinyl release on July 17th. Um, side one of the special record, we'll find the band rocking the Bee Gees classics, You Should Be Dancing, Night Fever, Tragedy, and More Than a Woman, along with Andy Gibbs' mega hit, Shadow Dancing. And then side two uh, will feature recordings captured live at the band's 606 recording studio of tracks from their latest album, Medicine at Midnight. It will include uh, Making a Fire, Shame Shame, Waiting on a War, No Son of Mine, and Cloud Swatter. Um, and you can, you can find the uh, video for I uh, will be dancing online, um, but um, let me see if I can get, um, we'll listen to just a, a, little, a little bit of it. Can he really get his voice up that high? 
um, I don't think he's hitting his. I think those are backup singers. I think he's. I don't think he can hit those notes. Uh, I don't think so either. Like, how is he doing? He's trying. I see him trying. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cool disco video they got going though. Ah, he's doing for it, so. dude. I bet he. I bet he asked somebody right before he sang this. Here, kick me in the nuts, and I've got like three minutes to sing this. Yeah, I just killed a bee on my neck, by the way. A bee? Oh, that's uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so that's coming out. That, that video is out now, uh, and uh, the new album will be here before we know it. So, looking looking forward to checking that out. It'll be great, right? Come on. I am stoked. Good stuff. Yes. All right, Jens, that's our show for today. Um, next week on the program, we have an artist named Ratnoff. Um, and who's actually a Bay Area dude, lives in San Mateo. We're bringing it back to the uh, side of the pond. Um, and um, he's got a new album that's coming out in the fall. I listened to it just a few hours ago and, uh, and it's, uh, it's good stuff. So we'll be, we'll be chatting with Ratnoff and uh, it's our show for today. All right. All right. For all of us. Here comes our pipeline. Yeah, okay. for all of us. Here it comes pipeline. That's Steve Jones. And Maddie Jen Shuffle. Catch you we'll next. catch you next time. Yes.